Actors, filmmakers, writers, it's time for your breakthrough wherever you are in America. Whether it's Hollywood, Florida, Hollywood, North Carolina, or Hollywood, Pennsylvania, this is the podcast where you will discover how to break through in Hollywood, California. If you are capable of being a leading actress or character actor, if you're a filmmaker with a movie or TV concept looking for financing or production, or if you're a writer with a script seeking a producer or a studio, this is Breakthrough. Here you will learn the secrets of how to make your dreams come through. So I have a treat for you today, but uh, in a bit I'm going to be talking about auditioning for acting roles, but that's going to follow this interview that I have with a very special person. I'm pleased to introduce a very talented actress that I had the good fortune to direct in my movie, It's Only Make-Believe. But beyond this, Donna Cherry has had a remarkable career. It all began when she won Miss California. She was amazing judges with her impressions of Madonna, Barbara Streisand, Donna Ross, Dolly Parton. Remember that, Donna? Yeah, I do. Yes, you do. But in any case, then, of course, she went on to success as an actress, appearing in such popular TV series episodes as Desperate Housewives, acclaimed movies such as The Ultimate Gift, and later engaged in a highly successful voiceover career, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And Donna currently lives in New York, where in addition to casting, or excuse me, acting, I should say, she's become a highly respected voice coach. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So far, so far, I've got it right. Correct. Yes. Yeah. All right. So anyway, <laughs> welcome, Donna. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. All right. So nice to see you. Well, when we worked together in my movie, it's only make believe. You played the role of a Las Vegas impersonator, Karen Carpenter, mm-hmm. and actually sang many of her songs. In fact, uh, if I close my eyes and listen to you and your beautiful voice, I'd swear it was the real Karen Carpenter. I remember being on the set and I can't believe it. She sounds exactly like Karen Carpenter. But how did you acquire that ability to impersonate uh, popular singers? I think, number one, you listen. Number two, you love. And ever since I was a little girl, I would listen to all my favorite singers. Uh, We lived in Costa Rica when I was a little girl. And so they were kind of like my English speaking friends or my, my uh, recordings of of famous people, famous ladies. And Karen Carpenter, uh, I don't know, something just resonated in me the first time that I heard her sing. And I I just thought she had this warm, wonderful, rich alto that was just, just so full of, had a lot of pathos. I actually had the opportunity to meet her and uh, Richard, I think I was 22, and I was recording at the AM Studios in Los Angeles. I was recording actually on a Jose Feliciano album, and I got the wrong door of where I was going <laughs> back to the <laughs> back to my room, uh, back to the studio where where we were recording. And I walked in, and there was Karen and Richard Carpenter, and I. I was stunned. I mean, what are the chances? And it, they Must were have just been a real thrill. It, it it was. They were both working uh, on the uh, engineering of this. You know, you could hear the tracks, and it kind of stopped. And I went, "Oh, 
I'm so sorry. And I told him the producer I was looking for, and he goes, oh, it's down the hall. I went, thank you. And I couldn't even say, oh, I think you're wonderful. You know, you just get kind of a little bit, uh, oh, you know, I get that that fangirl thing going. But um, so I actually did have a, a brief chance to meet her. Later on, I was able to work with Richard Carpenter when I toured with Barry Manilow. So I told him of that encounter and he he was very kind and very gracious and of course he knew his sister as many many people didn't know her as well uh but it was just a privilege so anyway and auditioning for your movie thank you for saying i sounded like her because i thought she was just one of those wonderful warm blankets of a voice of the of the great voices that you can uh put on and uh it was it was a real treat to be able to to be to play her as an impression in your movie and yet have my own character in, in the movie as well. Well, I have to say, you not only sang beautifully and, and impersonated her quite well, but also a fine actress. I mean, you delivered a great performance, so we appreciated that. But you impersonated others as well, right? Other singers? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how um, did you go about learning how to do this sort of thing? That's what I'm curious about. Sure. Uh, literally, it started when I was a kid. And my folk, I mean, I'm from California, but I was born in South America, in Colombia, and then lived in Costa Rica. And uh, my parents were missionaries and teachers and pastors down there. And uh, I'm the youngest of five kids, and the older kids in the family were always off doing their thing. And I had my records, and yes, there were records then. And I would create my own little world. I literally created a, you know, those, those card tables would put mm-hmm. a big sheet over it and go <laughs> under it. And I would have my record player and whatever records I could. And I would just sing in my little house and I'd play them over and over and over. And my mom said that when I was little and she'd have people over to the house, she'd say, Donnie, you want to do Thumbelina? My nickname was Donnie. And, um, so I would perform Thumbelina, but I would perform her accurately, including the scratch in the records. So <laughs> My goodness. So you were very precise. I was very precise to what I'd heard. And then the other one that I, I loved, loved since the beginning was Julie Andrews. And so I've been doing her since I was a little girl. And then later on, I got to portray. You've been portray. able to hit her high-pitched voice? Oh, Julie yes. Andrews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also majored in opera in college, too. Yeah, so my I, goodness. I studied French and German and Italian and all of that. And I know she has a lovely you know, classical singing voice too, but I was later also able to uh, portray Mary Poppins. I should say portray as the voice uh, during Disney on parade in Anaheim and in, oh, in, that uh, must've been exciting in Florida as well. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> but it's, it's all come about just as loving the, the, uh, loving the singer themselves, loving what they stand for. You think about, Streisand, and she's got this intensity and this way of expressing herself. Well, why her eyes aren't really crossed, she has this power and feeling. Then you apply that to the singing voice, and it's it, it just happens when you think about Cher. You don't just think about Cher all of a sudden, you know, if you're really going to try to sound like her, you can just drop your jaw a little bit and um, kind of form your words a little bit differently. Woo! And then you get that kind of sound <laughs> and you put on a wig and, and if you think the character, all of a sudden it seems to be 
easier to sound like the character. And and interestingly enough, I I use characters when I teach voice as well. For instance, I would say that when you think of Anita Baker, when I first listened to Anita Baker, I found myself in my car wanting to yawn all the time because she has this kind of <laughs> kind of sound to her. So if you apply, like yawning is very, very good for the voice. So if you apply that somehow in your vocal exercises, it helps to open up and allow oxygen in uh, as as a as an exercise. Same with say somebody like Diana Ross, she tends to be more humming on pitch. So she's like, uh, touch me in the morning. So it's a a matter of isolating your different resonators. And if you're able to do it, then we're putting it. So it's not a denasalized sound like Streisand. It's a nasalized sound like, Diana, and it helps you when you're creating your own sound and when you're exercising your own voice to be able to realize what the different resonators are. And sometimes characters help you get there uh, to create your own special sound. So it kind of evolved into listening to characters, um, enjoying those characters, putting them into a comedy act, which I've done now for years from Vegas to uh, more recently to touring with three blonde moms uh, to to teaching it as well and it's it's all it's all fun but you know, putting on a different sweater and then you create that sound. Well, that that's I didn't even know some of the things you've and I knew you then but didn't know how extensive your career was as a impersonator of some celebrities. Let's turn to acting for a second. Okay. Breaking into Hollywood as an actress, of course, you were a former Miss California. But and I'm sure that helped, but that certainly didn't guarantee any parts in TVs or movies. How did you first begin? How did you break in? Comedy helped immensely. Um, comic timing uh, is something that I kind of learned on the job doing some of these, you know, Vegas performances. And uh, I mean, right after Miss California, I got booked as Miss California that was funny in Vegas. And I went, whoa, 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 I'm a singer, I'm an actor, but okay, and I can be funny, but uh, it's a matter of, you know, putting into an act that's, uh, you know, appropriate, and they, most, most everybody wants, you know, 20-minute acts. In the beginning, I only needed, you know, tight 10 minutes, tight 12, so I learned on the job, but it's about comic timing. So for me, the acting developed out of comedy. I was a regular at the comedy store on Sunset Boulevard with the famed Mitzi Shore at the helm and really cut my teeth there, learning comedy timing, learning how to put your life into words. And in my case, I was considered a variety act. So I wasn't just a straight monologist. I had the impressions in between the, the monologue. And uh, as a result of that, I started meeting people, got my agents. They would submit me on these comedy gigs on sitcoms and, and voiceovers, which eventually, you know, took on a little bit of, you know, a life of its own. Uh, so that was my, my ticket in I, to acting for me personally was comedy. It seems like once you can do comedy, drama is the yin of that yang. Exactly. 
it, many people that can do drama can't always do comedy, but I have yet to know a comedian that can't do drama. Exactly. And, and we have a number of examples of actors who were comedians or are comedians, and yet we're able to turn to an acting, a dramatic acting role. And one awards as a result of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, you know, the list is extensive. Robin Williams, you know, it, it goes on down the line. Um, so I do mean, you think, do you recommend to an actor, actress breaking into the business that they should, you know, if they they have a somewhat of a comedic flair, that they should pursue that, at least in terms of acting workshops or that sort of thing? Absolutely. I think it is... Uh, you can have an edge. However, that being said, whatever your edge is, that's what's going to work for you. If you are a terrific dramatic actor and you're a little scared of comedy, you know what? Focus initially on dramatic acting, but by the same token, take those improv classes. And as you take the improv classes, it's going to kind of get that muscle going, not just the funny bone, but the reality bone. All Great comedy is based on truth and reality. And then you stretch it from there and you can create different kinds of comedy, you know, heightened comedy from comedy, comedia dell'arte to, you know, the subtle, wry comedy that sells more nowadays. So I would say whatever you feel your greatest talent is, specialize and just go for it and don't be afraid while you're getting the the benefit of educating yourself uh, with these different kinds of mediums from improv to, uh, yes, of course, comedy. And if comedy is your thing, go for it. Just start honing, 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 whether it's in stand-up, stand-up online right now with the COVID times that we're in, um, to um, just, just practicing practicing improv scenes and, and, and trying them out with friends. Well, Donna, do you feel that, you know, as an actress, for example, sometimes you have to do many different things to find out what your shtick, what your, your ability and talent is trying everything to see mm-hmm. where you best fit in or trying everything to develop yes. a diversification. I've been really diversified, maybe to a fault. Um, so I'm not going to say, <laughs> however, uh, I've had a lot of jobs in a lot of different genres of the business. It just tends to be that comedy has been the 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 one section of the business that has has been more my my ticket. And ha- having come from impressions, having come from being able to host, having come from being able to act uh, also, and in, 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 you know, so yes, there is a certain amount of diversification, I would say, in one's education that is extremely important. If you're going to get a degree in performing arts and you want to, uh, you know, hone your acting skills, you're going to also need to take directing. You're going to need to take theater history. You're going to need to take, uh, you know, uh, history of of television, movies, that sort of thing. That's great advice. So that's really, that's more diversification, I think, than most actors who are just breaking in or let's say, coming to Hollywood, whatever it might be, thinking, okay, I'll take an acting class and I'll be ready to act. There's so much more to it that you've just pointed out. Of course. I mean, it's the, you know, you can see the the iceberg, but below the the uh, iceberg, there's, there's so much. There's so much beneath that builds up to become, 
you know, uh, the kind of creative performer that you want to become. So you have to think about who you admire, um, what you like about that performer, what you like about that voice that you want to incorporate into your own being. Many, a lot of the stars have their own, you know, footprint so ingrained in them that they don't need to think about that. And they're either going to make it big or flop. And sometimes it's those really strong personas that help you to, you know, rise to the top. But if you're, you know, don't really know what your persona is. You don't really know, you know, okay, I'm going to try this sweater on, see how it feels. I'm going to try this one on. Hmm. Um, You know, my, acting coach used to say that you got to get through the fence to get to the house. So what is, what's, what's the fence that's around your house? And you got to sometimes figure, okay, and then let's, let's add this, let's add that. It's, it's a uh, part of the being, uh, the performing, the performing being that you're becoming all of those colors, all of those influences, you know, create your, I'll say final products, but even final products, if you're a real artist, they're constantly emerging. Wonderful. That's some great advice. Let's turn to stage for a moment. I know that you went from California to New York, and in New York, you did some off-Broadway. In fact, you even drum, uh, won a Drama Log Award, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what about stage? Is that a good way to get into film and TV acting via stage, plays? It can be. Um I love theater. I love live performance. Um, comedy and performing stand-up gave me a lot of that, you know, got to feel, got to read the audience, and you can play with them. When you're obviously in a, in a scripted piece, um, you know, a.k.a. a Broadway show uh, or off-Broadway, whatever it may be, you have that give and take from the audience that's so fun and so exciting. And yes, many, many doors can open from that to film. I find lately more doors seem to be opening from film to Broadway. So you never know what's going to be the, you know, the first open door right now. It's better to be a film actor because it seems like more of those opportunities are opening up more quickly than the live venue performing since equity is completely shut down right now. And SAG is, Starting up, uh, Screen Actors Guild is is uh, has a lot more openings in terms of. Well, that's true. Of, of course, you know it, it's only a matter of time. And I think if we finally learn how to uh, treat COVID right, and you know, and realize it's not going to go away so quickly unless we do the things we need to do, I think the important okay. thing is it's all going to open up again. And you're right; there are many dramatic actors who said, "I wonder if I could do stage." And sometimes the challenge of doing stage is almost insurmountable to them. Oh my God, you know, it's live performance. I can't redo my scene. It is a challenge for many, but you seem to think that that's a good entree. Uh, Sometimes you get discovered that way. But you went from New York back to California and you went to work at the comedy store. And I think, what is that in LA? And then you went probably to Las Vegas and uh, because they have a comedy store in Las Vegas, San Diego. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. so, I mean, was were you discovered, as, you know, as far as film, as far as getting an a- agent, were you discovered through the comedy store? I would say it was one of the major threads in the tapestry of my um, 
being discovered. Um, I met so many people at the comedy store. I and performed with every name out there. Um, and it, it was a terrific entree being Miss California, believe it or not, from being a college girl going into career life, even Miss California opened a lot of doors too. But I would say that the Miss California title with going into the comedy store was uh, a crazy good one-two punch for me. Um, so yes, you have to have a venue. You have to have a venue where you're going to be seen whether it's on a live comedy stage or whether it's on the Broadway stage or whether you get a, uh, a role on, on a, you know, some kind of a, 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 a thing in a podcast, but uh, some kind of a, um, an online situation. I mean, somewhere where you are seen social media is so ginormous as we know. I mean, everybody in their Instagram accounts has their, you know, reels that they're showing to people. And that seems to be the new, um, the new way to showcase yourself, especially during these times. But you, number one, have to find the appropriate venue for you and for the times. So for me, my appropriate venue was, I would say, indeed, the comedy store. And then as a result of the comedy store, I worked other venues in Vegas that weren't comedy store based. I mean, I worked I've worked at one point uh, most of the uh, casinos on the strip and off the strip and in um, uh, Laughlin as well as, you know, in Lenox City and Tahoe. So it, once you start working with somebody like the comedy store and then you start opening for someone, you know, a, a big name or you're in a, um, uh, review show review shows for me paid the bills for a while and they were in uh, Tahoe and in Vegas and I did one in Hawaii but they're always there's always venues for you to grab onto so once you have your venue that is appropriate to your talent whether you're showcasing your singing whether it's SoundCloud to whether you're showcasing your acting uh, to hopefully right now everything's on reels uh, because of no live performance at the moment, but uh, to showcasing your comedy, just make sure that you're out there and that you have access and are utilizing all the appropriate venues that you can to get out there and then follow through with the people that could make a difference for you and continually, you know, submit yourself on jobs daily. I'm still submitting myself as well as my agents. So speaking of the agent, you brought up the magic word. Uh, how important when you're beginning your career is it to have an agent? And if it's important, somebody getting new in the business, how do they acquire an agent? It's the old chicken and the egg theory, isn't it? Yes, I'd say so. Don't bug out if you don't have an agent. Bottom line is have your materials prepared. Have your, your headshots, you know, done well, prepared and online. Um, have any reels of any of the work that you've done prepared, done well, and online. Um, you can get an actor's access um, uh, through Breakdown Services account. And, and once you have that with your, your headshot, your resume, anything that might be on your resume, uh, as well as your reels, 
then you can submit yourself for a good deal of work these days. Uh, where the agents really help, obviously, is because they have a higher uh, level of work than you might be able to access yourself through breakdown services or actors access or casting networks. That's the other big one. Well, um, I've also heard of actors, unfortunately, who get stuck with an agent and the agent really is not able to help them develop their career. Did you go with the first agent that came your way or were you careful about how you selected your agent? A lot of agents aren't as um, hands-on as say a manager might be. A manager can really help you do the whole package. He can, he or she can help you. Okay. You're staying sharp with getting classes. How's your improv going? Um, Did you get some new headshots and can kind of help you to corral your uh, personal resources. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we get a little, little, little daunted by how much we need to do. And here we're trying to be at this great little performer. And then, Oh yeah, I got to do that business part. It's okay. All you have to do is make sure your likeness is out there. Make sure that the image of what you're trying to pursue in terms of work is out there. So people go, yeah, perfect. I see businesswoman. I see doctor. Hmm. Yeah, no, great blue collar. So whatever your type is for acting, make sure that you are out there. In terms of agent, yes, higher caliber of work, no question about it. Uh, and you can get agents online these days by doing the whole Instagram thing. Casting directors these days are doing online classes almost every day of the week. There is a... Uh, Oh gosh, what's it called? It's like a COVID letter that I get daily with all of the uh, classes and opportunities that are happening daily for actors to keep them on their game. Um, And of course, this is in New York and the same holds true with California, correct? It's online. So it's accessible from North Carolina. It's accessible from, you know, London. So that's, that's the nice thing. If there's a, a silver lining to this COVID thing, how we have, even banded together more um, as a community to, okay, let's get out there. How are you going to do it? Okay. You get your ring light, you get those classes and you plan your classes daily. Some of them are for pay and a lot of them are for free, but there's a lot of access now than ever before. I'm going to, I'm going to find the letter here and I'll give you the name of it. Um, just and, so, and you- so theoretically you could be, let's say in the center of Ohio, uh, perhaps doing a lot of stage work, for example, uh, in little theater or theater uh, that's nearby. And Mm -hmm. you could then go online and still be able to make contact. You may not have to leave Ohio until you have at least the semblance of a career going. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, They've changed the the name of this newsletter, but, um, a gal named Jenna Doolittle heads it up. And Jenna Doolittle. Yeah, it's called, it's now called actorsrise at gmail.com. All right, let's write that down, listeners. Actorsrise at gmail.com, correct? Yes. It's the the Actors Rise newsletter. Just sign up for it. And it was every day. Now it's, I think she's doing more of the weekly letters so that you know how to plan your week. um, So you can pop in, in some classes in between while you're, you know, maybe doing your 
either your day job or if you're an attorney or, you know, whatever you want to do, if you're still wanting to pursue the arts, that's one way that you can do it, certainly as an actor. Uh, and there's even voiceover workshops on there as well in terms of singing and, and voiceover. Uh, if you want private training, obviously, um, I do that. But it, there's there's many teachers in many parts of the country that also do that and will do um, Zoom lessons as well. So there's and no. I, I definitely want to get involved. into the voiceover aspect because, and and the fact that you offer that as an instructor. But how did you break into voiceover? Because I do funny voices, um, it it kind of came as a natural. I mean, I could sing as the characters, and it, it, cartoons and animation became. You know, I, I was I was out for every audition. I, I even auditioned for. Um, Bart Simpson a long time ago. Boy, that would have been the gig to get. <laughs> uh, but but I do little boys' voices pretty well. And uh, I did get two uh, little boys' voices in, in character cartoons. One is J.J. the Jet Plane, uh, which was on PBS Kids for years. And then the other one was Tut in Tuttenstein, which was Discovery Kids. And that one won an Emmy Award. It's based out of out of Ireland, but they had the American crew in the States and California at the time. So, um, but in both of those, I played little boys and it's like, I can, I can do little girls voices too, but for some reason, I, I guess because I can growl my voice and sound like a kid, you know, cool. That's good. <laughs> um, those kinds of doors opened a little bit more readily than, than the little girl voices, but um, so, yes, that opened up. And then I also did national um, just advertisement campaigns. I did Time Warner Cable, um, uh, Union Bank, various other kinds of financial institutions. But you do their the, the voiceovers for them because sometimes they want they want a, a warm sound or you can soft soften it if you're talking about bowl of wine or, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're doing, you're going to you're going to adapt your voice for that product. And what is really interesting to me is for voiceover, less is more. Um, it's really not about how big your voice is, where that can be your best friend in, on Broadway and and in opera for sure. But in voiceover, you take whatever your instrument is, and it's not as much about the instrument as how you use it. You are a voice actor, emphasis on the actor. So you machinate whatever you've got going here and you can make it tiny and cute and intimate and um, or you can sound authoritative and strong and speak this way you know so it just doing voiceovers is as much of a wonderful way to uh to do an acting career uh, you know online even these days especially uh as the visual element so i love doing voiceovers well, so Donna, uh, as a voiceover instructor, because obviously you're you're very very good at this. How does some? Well, what do you do first of all? What services can you offer, and how does someone, if they want to, you know, sell enlist your services as a voiceover tutor or instructor? What do you do? How does this go? How do you go about it? I'm also a, a, a singing voice teacher uh, with my degree in opera, so my whole I have students that are singers and then I have some that just come to me for straight voiceover and the spoken word. Um, so it depends on what you 
are wanting to develop. Uh, all you have to do these days is call me. We'll work it out in terms of Zoom sessions. Um, usually I'm, I'm at a studio and playing the piano with you. And I can, if, if you are, I also play piano. So if you are doing the singing, we run through those gambit of exercises. But I also find that with voiceover exercises, well, piano isn't entirely necessary. There are exercises that you need to do to get to the uh, kind of, I'll say full-bodied sound as, as well as the, uh, how to utilize your acting chops to be able to either sell a product or to do animation. So it's all depending on what the student is wanting in terms of their end game, or if they're just doing an exploratory type of a situation, we can sit down and talk about that. And we can, we can, we can fashion it with both kinds of, of end games in mind with it singing as well as, as spoken word. Well, I have two things. You said something, first of all, that was very important. And that is someone, you're headquartered, obviously, in, the, in New York, New York City. But obviously someone who might be otherwise in, otherwise in the Ohio, as we talked about, Nebraska, North Carolina. Regardless of where you are, you could actually help them via Zoom conferences? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very I've, unique. I've, yes. I've used Zoom. And the other one that I really love is the Messenger uh, Face Audio app on um, with Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great. I actually Yes, right. I find, but I find it almost less lag time with that one because they're both online mediums. I mean, you can also just do the dial-up, you know, phone phone FaceTime as well. But uh, it's it's about the lag time and uh, in terms of um, the singing. Like if I'm playing, it might it'll play and then they'll sing it. So that's why we have to learn how to do uh, you know work together. But absolutely, no matter where you live. You can study with a professional in New York. You can study with a professional in LA. It's it it has opened many doors uh, that weren't as opened prior to our given parameters. Uh, sometimes when you when you're squeezed as we have been this year, uh, it allows us to find new and exciting ways that make it even easier to study with whomever you want and easier to take classes with a cross-country professional. I mean, you can take these Instagram classes with the top casting directors in New York, top agents, managers, you know, even, you know, how you look on camera. Um, again, get your Zoom light, your, your little ring light, so that you can, you know, present the best you that you can during your conversation with them. But um, it's it's opens the playing field in a really interesting way. Well, you know, but you mentioned something as far as voiceovers, and and I think that's obviously a career in itself, either Mm -hmm. singing or obviously doing voiceovers for film commercials. But there's another important aspect, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you have a good voiceover instructor, as an actor, you can hone your voice a certain way that probably will make you, shall we say, more desirable for certain parts, uh, more desirable as far as getting hired for jobs because you're able to hone your voice and have the quality that you might not otherwise have? Yes. So much is writing on how we speak, how we sound, and we don't even realize it. I remember um, 
the very, very first film I did, I listened back to myself just just speaking and I thought, oh my gosh, here I am an opera major. Here I am a, uh, you know, what I consider to be, you know, a voice professional voice person. And I thought I sounded so harsh and I thought, what am I going to do? Well, terribly ironically, this particular uh, film was low budget and they had issues with the sound quality for the entire film. Mm. And they said, we need to have everybody dub themselves over again. And I, I thought, really? <laughs> I was so excited because it gave me a second chance. Not only I enjoyed dubbing, but in order to present myself in a different way in that role. And I, I thought, well, this will give me the opportunity. And so when I was recording uh, my sound, everybody has different issues. You might be too strong a sound. You might be too soft a sound. You might be someone who needs to be a little bit more melodic in your tone. Or, I mean, everybody has a little bit different. I just know what my issue was. And as I was recording it, re-recording it, redubbing it, they said, you know, you're sounding different from how you initially sounded. And I went by design. <laughs> I said, I want to, I wanted, I wanted to give it a little bit more of a, of a, of a different feel for not only this character, but for me as an actor in this. And they went, okay. And they said, well, it's sounding fine. I went, thank you. And then when I heard it <laughs> at the end, I went, that's, that's what I need to cultivate. So it's all about what your individual speaking tendencies are and how you incorporate them into acting that can uh, uh, perpetuate a character for yourself, whether it is another character or you in the role. They always say the best roles are you in the role and showing your colors. But there's different colors you you want to show in, in different roles. You know, this has been a fascinating interview. Uh, I mean, it's more than what I even bargained for. Our listeners are very fortunate because I think you've given some real gems that they may be able to use in their career, whether they're just beginning or trying to break into acting or have been around for a while and just don't seem to be breaking through those walls or barriers. So in order to get your help, which they can get, through Zoom, as we discussed, or FaceTime. Mm-hmm. They go to www.donnacherry.com. Is that yes. where they go? Sure, yeah. Okay, I want to and repeat I've... that. Three W's. Donna Cherry, C-H-E-R-R-Y.com. Mm-hmm. And there's a contact button. You can just do Donna at DonnaCherry.com. Um, and if you know Jim, he'll give you my phone number. I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, not only that, but on our website... Uh, you will be able to see, you know, we will have Donna's uh, email address, how to reach her. So again, you just go to the website and I think you'll, you'll be in good shape. Donna, I want to thank you very much for being part of the interview. It's been enlightening to say the least. And I have a feeling that there's more we could talk about and maybe we'll do it again. That would be lovely. It's been so nice to, to see you and reconnect with you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
Thanks for joining us again. As a reminder, each week, you're going to be hearing from leading actors, agents, producers, writers, directors, and even network executives. Each interview is going to be able to provide you with insights as to how to break through the entertainment industry with the many challenges and barriers that an actor faces. And not only an actor, but obviously filmmakers and writers as well. In any case, in order to be notified about future episodes, and I assure you, we've got some great guests coming up. You're not going to want to miss any of the episodes. Simply go to our website and subscribe. And that way you'll be notified of every upcoming podcast and who's going to be featured on it. Again, that website is www.breakthrough-podcast.com. That's www.breakthrough-podcast.com. Thanks again, and I'll be with you next week. Thanks, Jim. You've been listening to Breakthrough, a podcast hosted by award-winning producer, writer, and director James Polikoff. Join us every week for our interviews with leading actors, agents, studios, and network executives, as well as writers and directors. To be informed and subscribe free for upcoming episodes or to get advice on your movie project, visit www.breakthrough-podcast.com. Until next week, this is Faith Spencer with our podcast host, James Polk.